Sales Flair and this is Founder Coffee. Every two weeks I have coffee with a different founder. We discuss life, passions, learnings in an intimate talk getting to know the person behind the company. For this 26th episode I talk to Laura Ruder, co-founder of Meet Edgar, a social media tool that automatically keeps your content in front of your customers. Before Meet Edgar, Laura was a junior designer at an agency a freelance web designer, and then a social media marketing consultant. She built a spreadsheet for herself to organize the resharing of existing content for customers and figured, why is this a spreadsheet and not an actual tool? That's when Meet Edgar was conceived. Recently, Laura appointed a president for Meet Edgar and left the daily operations in her capable hands. We talk about why she did that, the challenges of building on top of social networks, how she keeps the pressure off her team, and how people don't fail, but systems do. Welcome to Founder Coffee. Hi, Laura. It's great to have you on Founder Coffee. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you are founder of um, Meet Edgar. Uh, for those who don't know Meet Edgar yet, what do you guys do? We are a social media automation tool, and we're really designed for small businesses who focus on content marketing. So if you're a podcaster or someone who blogs, creates a lot of content, and you really need a system for making sure that content is always in front of people, your old stuff, your new stuff, that's what Edgar does for you automatically. So, so what do I need to imagine with, with automatically... Like, does it automatically take my previous posts and reschedule them or? Yeah, yeah. So you can plug in an RSS feed or, you know, add your posts manually, whatever you want to do. But Edgar has a system of continuous scheduling. Okay. So basically I can keep my social media accounts alive without me. I I don't have to go in buffer all the time and, fill it up uh, over and over again uh, that post over and over again or or variations of that post twitter doesn't allow you to send the same post so you can send variations different status updates uh pointing to the same content uh and edgar actually writes those for you automatically which is pretty cool and so it, it one of the big problems that we solve is a lot of people spend a lot of time creating content they send it out that first week when they created it and then they never ever promote it again, uh, which is really not <laughs> a great practice, right? You want yeah. to make sure people are seeing the whole library of content that you've created. Right. That's a, that's a problem we actually have. So I'm going to look into me that girl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, did you get to the, this idea exactly? Is it, is it a problem you had or in a previous company or is it just a... It is a problem that I had. Yeah. Edgar is one of those tools that was very much created for myself where I'm like, why isn't there a tool that does this? Like I'm, I'm going to create what I want. So before I started Edgar, I was uh, teaching small businesses how to do social media marketing. So basically what I was teaching them, I came up with a system for myself to basically do what Edgar does manually. So before Edgar, Mm -hmm. I would create a big spreadsheet because also Edgar is category based. You put your content in different categories and then tell Edgar how often to pull from the different categories. So I was doing that in a spreadsheet where I had all my content divided up into categories and I would copy and paste it from the spreadsheet into the tool. And it was just like, huh? Like, why am I storing this in a spreadsheet? Why would my social media tool not store an organized library of all my content? So yeah, I really built Edgar to do what I was doing manually. Yeah. 
Yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, how, how was that the switch from, from being a consultant to starting a software as a service business? It was a big change because I'm not a developer. I didn't, you know, I didn't build Edgar myself. I can't, I can't fix it <laughs> when it breaks. Um, so I had never run a software business before. And there was certainly a big learning curve there, continues to be a learning mm -hmm. curve there. Uh, but, you know, my core audience was the same in both businesses. And that gave me a huge leg up and starting Edgar, you know, continues, I think, to be an important theme in our success. I had already spent years being one of the types of businesses that we serve and, and really understanding deeply the, the problems that they're solving. Yeah. Sounds like a huge advantage indeed. Uh, what, was it the first thing you did being a social media consultant or were there things before that? No. So uh, I've been working for myself for uh, how long now? Like, I don't know, 11 or 12 years now. So mm -hmm. I had one job out of college and then I quit that job to be a freelance web designer and designer, graphic designer. So I would make websites for small businesses in 2008 when social media started to become a thing. Uh, you know, my clients would ask me about social media. So I made the transition into doing some consulting. And then, mm. yeah, the business that I had before Edgar actually wasn't a consulting business. It was uh, like productized training. Like I would create uh, training courses and sell them online. Yeah. Was that a, a business all by yourself or, or was that also with other people? I had a small team. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So you, you've always uh, kind of like been into starting companies and leading them. Yeah. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I haven't really had much experience outside of um, entrepreneurship. You know, I was a, a junior designer at an agency mm -hmm. for yeah, about a year and then I've, I've worked for myself ever since. Yeah. Why, why, did, why did you leave that agency? I, there were, there were a lot of reasons, you know, one was definitely the freedom, which I think is something that motivates almost every entrepreneur it wants to be in charge of, of their own schedule, wants to be a little bit in charge of their own destiny. Mm -hmm. I also found that I was sort of the opposite of a lot of freelancers. So I find that there's a lot of people who, you know, maybe are graphic designers and they're freelancer, and then they get very disappointed that they have to do the business stuff. They're like, I just want to be able to design all day. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to have to get clients and do all that. Where I was sort of the opposite, you know, in my role as a designer, I thought it was kind of boring that I just designed all day. Uh, I wanted to be more involved in like the marketing strategy and all the client stuff. So I looked at different career changes and then I realized, well, if I freelance, I'll get to do a lot more. I'll do the design, but I also will have to learn about sales and prospecting and running a business and closing clients. And that was actually really appealing to me. Yeah. That, that's funny. I, I, know, I know exactly how you feel. I studied engineering and then they offered me engineering jobs and I was like, no, no, I want to do something like talking with customers and, mm -hmm. and not just the engineering. I mean, that's interesting, but that's just not enough or just doesn't feel as fulfilling as being able to also talk to the people, figure things out and right. Yeah. And it's just that a good can, reminder that, you yeah. know, it takes, it takes all kinds, you know, once mm -hmm. you're in a company, you're so grateful that there are people that absolutely love customer service and mm -hmm. solving problems for our customers, because that is not my talent. I would not be good at doing that all day. So I'm so happy that there are humans out there that that's what they absolutely love to do and are just incredibly talented at. 
So what, what is it that, that lately has been keeping you busy working on Meet Edgar? Um, what, what parts of the business are you currently developing? So I changed my role recently. Uh, so we recently promoted someone to a president role. Mm-hmm. And that's a big change because that means that my role now is just founder and it's really largely taken me out of the business. So our president is my only direct report now. I only have one direct report. Um, mm-hmm. I really just need to talk to her once a week. You know, if it doesn't happen every week, <laughs> it's not it's not a huge deal. So, I mean, part of this is I'm kind of figuring out what I want to do now. One thing that I do is promote the company. So mm-hmm. things like this are, are really fun for me to be kind of a spokesperson for the company. Uh, my background is in marketing. So I'm also now starting to like dive back in to some marketing tasks that I haven't done in years. Like recently, I was working on um, rewriting our emails that you get after you opt in. And that's always something that someone on our team would have done while I was busy with other things. But now I have some time and I'm like, oh, maybe it would be fun to, to write some emails again. Yeah. How, how come that you, that you made this step to put someone as a president between you and like the operations, let's say? So it was kind of half uh, personal reasons and half business reasons. So our team is all in the US and Canada. But about a year ago, I relocated to the UK. And mm-hmm. even though we're a remote team, uh, you know, we don't have people worldwide. We do a lot of work at the same time you know, during American business hours. So it really doesn't work for me to be on such a different schedule than the rest of the team, especially in a leadership role because, you know, once your company is a certain size, you just sort of talk to people. <laughs> that's all, yeah. you know, that's, that's a big part of a, any kind of manager's job. So I found that with this decision to move to the UK, I couldn't really do my old role in the same way. And I also saw that it was really time for uh, the person who's now our president who had headed up operations from the company and has been with the company since day one, it was really time for her to move to that next level. And I really was seeing more and more ways that she would be able to run the company uh, more successfully than I had done. And so far, so good. I mean, it's been really, really fun seeing the changes that she's made in the company. And yeah, she just has a lot of talents that that I don't have that have really helped the company to succeed. Mm -hmm. That's that's really that's really nice and that's really brave of you to to give the company like basically out of your hands into someone else's hands. Do you, yes, do you very think, very capable hands. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. Do do you feel that you're gonna spend more time on on strategy now, or you think more some operational stuff? Like what what is it that exactly drives you? I mean, the big picture strategy is is definitely interesting, but I'm also, you know, I'm not at a place where I'm working full-time now and I'm not trying to figure out how to make Edgar a full-time job. You mm-hmm. know, it's okay if um, it's only taking up a few hours. Maybe at some point in the future, it won't even be that. And, you know, I'll probably start another business at some point and maybe it'll just make space for that. Yeah. Are you guys profitable? We are. Yeah. We're, we're bootstrapped. We haven't raised any money. So, um, if we're not profitable, then we're out of business. So we're definitely profitable. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this sounds like a good position to be in. So you basically have a company running and makes money and you, you can, uh, slowly look at what you, what you'd like to do. Right. 
Yeah. And my, my journey has always been a little, a little bit different. You know, I actually took a three month um, maternity leave in the first year of our business. I was pregnant when we launched the business. Mm -hmm. So I've never been the type of founder who is, you know, working 80, a hundred hour weeks. I've always had a system in place where obviously a team is doing the majority of the work. Um, and then I worked part-time for a long time. So it's it's not like I've gone from doing everything myself to like suddenly being out of it. It's definitely been yeah. a gradual transition since the business launch. Yeah. Yeah. It, or, what kind of businesses would, do you think you would work on if you, if you start something else? Because you mentioned this just now, or is that just still a very vague idea? I'm totally overwhelmed by the possibilities. You know, I'm American and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm living here in the UK and business is done very differently <laughs> in the US um, than it is in, in Europe. And like there are some businesses that we have in the US that don't exist here. There are products that we have in the US that don't exist here. So there's definitely a lot of things I'm looking at that are just like, you know, maybe selling one of those products or taking one of those business models over. Um, but probably I should just stick with what I know and do like more software. But I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not making any decisions yet. Yeah, you're, you're taking some time to to think about it. Right? Yeah. Is is there anything in the business that 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 you are like currently very involved in that something that keeps you up at night lately? Um, you know, we are going through changes like 2018 was our hardest year that we've ever had. Um, we got hit really hard yeah. with some changes by the social networks, like Twitter, um, dramatically changed their terms. Oh, yeah. uh, Facebook stopped allowing tools to post to profiles. We lost access to Facebook groups for a while. And that was really stressful. Like there were just, there was a lot of upset in the social media space in 2018 and that changed caused some upset in our business and our team. Um, and now 2019, you know, we're only mid-March as I record this, but it's been really great. We've seen really great growth. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of like, I don't know, like getting out of this bad, <laughs> this bad time that we had and being like, okay, we feel like we're on a good track, but then you always feel like, okay, is this, you know, can we rely on this or are things going to get really hard again? Yeah, I read some stories by, for instance, uh, Manage Flitter, I think, had to close down. And Q, I don't know whether you know them, Q-U-U-U. -U -U. Uh, they, uh, they had a lot of issues as well, lots of different changes. Yeah. In the next business, I mean, would, would you still want to build against social networks? or? You know, it's it's an interesting question because I, I think it's very much grass is greener, right? Because we look at our business and we're so dependent on, um, you know, what the platforms decide to do. And it's like, oh, it'd be nice to be in a business that wasn't dependent. But every business has a supply chain, right? Whether mm -hmm. for software businesses, that might be AWS, right? It's like every business relies on infrastructure. Obviously, if you're selling physical products, you have your manufacturing, right? You have like materials that might change in price. This is, it's just a factor for any business. And, you know, we're in the position where we're not just dependent on one social network, which is nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a big risk in our business. I don't think I would do another startup in the social media space just because I feel like I've kind of done 
what I want to do there. Mm -hmm. Um, But despite the downsides of of being so dependent, I I wouldn't totally rule out like doing another business that had those kind of dependencies because there's huge upsides as well. Like, for instance? Well, the upsides are that we're building on Facebook. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Facebook has done a lot of work (laughs) getting a lot of people to market their businesses on Facebook. And so we get to take a little piece of that, right? Like we wouldn't Mm -hmm. have a business if Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn weren't such huge, successful companies. So we get to kind of ride their draft, right? Like be successful on all the work that, that they've done. Yeah. You you mentioned a bit already about work life balance that you you're you're not like the person who works hundred hour weeks mm-hmm. uh, who always took it uh, I I wouldn't say slower but a, a bit less of um, a bit bit more life and a bit less work um, mm-hmm. why is this and how do you manage these kind of things like so I just I don't know if it's just my nature. I've never been a workaholic. Like I mentioned, you know, I've worked myself a really long time and I always kept really regular hours. Like I wasn't working on the weekend. I wasn't working all night. I just work is something I enjoy, but it's never been my entire life. Um, and I always have been really interested in using leverage to grow a business. And I saw early on the limitations of doing everything yourself in a business. You know, mm-hmm. I saw it in my very first business as a freelance designer, every freelancer hits this problem where you're like, Oh, I can't, I can't really make any more money. You know, I'm already like, I'm already booked up. This is kind of, this is mm-hmm. kind of it. And then often you move into a different, a different business model from there. So I, I saw that early on, like, well, I, I want to be successful in this way that doesn't require just my own personal output. Right. I want to do something besides just trading hours for dollars. So I think it's something that's kind of built into my nature and it's something that we've extended to the culture of our team. So our team, not just me, doesn't work in the evenings, doesn't work on the weekends, um, which, you know, in America, at least like that's really rare, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. I think is a really terrible state and something that is, you know, with phones and laptops, people are often expected to be kind of connected to work every evening, which I think is really crazy. And the way we see it at our company is like, work is something that you should really enjoy and be really fulfilling, but it's certainly not your whole life. And you need to have time to enjoy the rest of your life as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. The, qu- the question then, then, for instance, is like, um, if, if you have big things at, at work that you want to solve do you keep your brains busy outside of work hours like thinking about this or is it something you will um you will focus on very much during during work hours yeah i mean i think you can't help but think of think of ideas you know mm-hmm. um when your when your team is full-time which ours is it's not like freelancers and contractors it's it's full-time employees, you know, you hope that people are, <laughs> are contemplating some of the problems that they're working on. And I think, I think that's okay. And there's a big mm-hmm. difference between having that mind space and people actually logging in and, and doing work. And it's something that we actually enforce because it can, 
it can creep over the limits we want, especially because a lot of people are coming to us from companies with a very different culture. A lot of people are coming from another job where they were expected to be on all the time. So, you know, we're remote. So we expect people to be signed on a Slack when they're working and we expect them not to be signed on a Slack when they're not working. So you should not have Slack on, on your phone. You know, if we see you signed in after hours, like this is where the East Coast, West Coast thing comes in. You know, mm-hmm. somebody on the West Coast will see someone on the East Coast still signed in and they'll be like, okay, it's, you know, it's eight o'clock your time. Like, why are you, are you still here? Did you just leave Slack open? Like you need to shut this down. Or if we see people communicating after hours, we really reach out and say, hey, that's not how we work here. Yeah. So it's really, really about creating that space outside of work to like mental space, physical, like, like what, what are the things you do when you're not working? Do you, do you have kids or? Yeah. So I have um, a four year old and a nine month old. So mm-hmm. I have plenty to, to keep me busy <laughs> when I'm not working. Yeah. The, the must, must otherwise not be easy to combine the two, I suppose. I don't have kids yet. So. Yeah. And we find that we attract a lot of, you know, not everyone on our team has children, but, um, a lot of people do. And I think a lot of people do come to us wanting a culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone comes to us wanting a culture where they can still live their lives. So, uh, whether that's children or whether that's just like you love skiing and you want to make sure that you can spend your whole weekend skiing and doing nothing else. Right. Like people come to us because they are attracted to this culture because, I think it's rare to have a company that only works 40 hour a week. I mean, I'm saying this, like I'm in the UK right now, you know, I'm, this is different in the UK and Europe. I think, um, well, one, like, you know, you guys actually have vacation time, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is great. Um, but you know, in America, it's hard to find a job that's only 40 hours and is still a company that's like growing, that's exploring exciting things. Often, if you're working 40 hours, it's in a sort of dead-end job that isn't, like, isn't really challenging you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand that. Well, I think in, in, in Europe, it's, it's, it's a bit similar, but it's not as extreme as in the U.S., mm-hmm. I suppose, where you really don't have all this vacation and, and people don't, uh, don't understand work-life balance so well. Um, yeah. Well, if, if, if you now, if you'd sell meat Edgar for, for a lot of money and, and you could spend your life the way you would decide what, what would you do? You think I would do what I'm doing now. You know, yeah. I always think you should try to design your life to be exactly how you want it today. Not, not when you have that big exit, not when mm-hmm. someday when you get there. So yeah, you know, I feel like I have a really good balance of how much time I, I work and how much time I spend with my family um, and travel. So yeah, I think my life would be, would be pretty similar. Cool. Uh, well, why is it that you moved to the UK? My, my husband uh, is, is from here. So it was just yeah, ah, driven okay. by spending yeah. time with family. Where where is exactly that you're you're based now? In Brighton. In Brighton. Oh, it's it's um, um my very first guest on um on Founder Coffee was also from Brighton. Do you happen to know Adam Hempy of Better Proposals? I don't, but you know, I actually haven't met that many Brighton people uh, because I've been mostly off work. 
Like, yeah. you know, I mentioned I have a baby who's nine months old. So I was uh-huh. like, we were moving and then I was on leave. So I haven't like gotten into the Brighton startup scene yet. Yeah. But how are you enjoying Brighton uh, apart from uh, apart from the startup scene then? It's it's really fun. Yeah. I mean, it's been like we we have so much family here and like cousins for my kids to play with. You know, as an American, it's really fun to be in Europe. Like recently we decided last minute to go to Copenhagen for the week. And so you just get like the, you know, super cheap and easy flight, explore a fun new city. So yeah, and we're right outside of London being at Brighton. So I'm I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely one of the advantages of uh, of being in Europe that you can always uh, travel really easily to other countries. Yeah. Wrapping up slowly, um, what's the latest good book you've read, and why did you choose to read it? See, I'm trying to decide if I should pick a a business book or not. What do you think? Uh, yeah, go for a business book. Business book. Wait, I'm gonna open. I'm going to open my Kindle highlights right now because I forget what I've read. I don't know if this happens to other people. Sorry, you can edit this out. Especially when you read, I don't know if you read on Kindle, like sometimes you don't remember the name of what you're reading. No, no I, I still read paper books. I, I somehow cannot let them go. I don't know. I, <laughs> I like to have them and and store them and keep them and read them like physically otherwise I, I don't feel like I ever let the screen go and I know that the Kindle has a different kind of screen but yeah okay so a business book that I read recently which was like a game changer to me and is not very well known it's called The Road Less Stupid which is such mm-hmm. a funny name um, it's by Keith Cunningham and uh, the book is so it was like I'm like, how did I not read this 10 years ago? First of all, it just has all these really juicy stories about all the mistakes he's made, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is so much fun to read. Like he had this real estate empire that fell apart and he really details exactly what he did wrong. Um, and it's just one of those books that's just like just super rock solid advice from someone who has actually been there and is super experienced and Uh, his whole thing is that you should make sure to have a lot of, he just calls it thinking time. And there's a lot of great prompts in the book for questions for thinking time. And he's just Mm -hmm. like set aside time every day and just write out or even just think about what these questions mean for your business. Yeah. So, so it's like a sort of experienced person who kind of shares all the learnings Is it, is it very concrete learnings or like, you know, it is. Yeah. It's really specific, especially when he's sharing from his own, his own journey. So a lot of the question prompts of course are more broad. Um, you know, it's, it's a question might be like, what would happen if your business relied only on referrals? And then it's interesting yeah. to think like, Oh, what would that, you know, what would that mean for our business? How would that look? Uh, but then it's also mixed in with stories of, Yeah, like I got too ahead of myself. I got over leveraged and I had this much debt and then I thought everything was going to go great and then I couldn't pay it and then everything fell apart. And like those, yeah. those are the ones that are pretty fun to read. Cool. I just added it to my uh, to my Goodreads want to read list. Yeah. Thank you. Is there is there like talking about journey, anything you wish you would have known when you started out? 
I think, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is just that there's no, there's no formula, you know, you can, you can read books like this and you can get ideas and you can learn things and be inspired from what other people have done. But I think often in our business, we're searching for the answer, you know, we want to know like, okay, how do you attract customers? How do you convert customers? How do you make sure that people use your tool, you know, if you're in SaaS? And it's great to read all the resources out there and read different people's stories, but there's no one answer. And what works for another company won't necessarily work for you. And I think the sooner you can accept that, like, it's different for everybody and there's no one right way to do it, it's actually really freeing because I think at first it's really frustrating because you're like, just tell me, (laughs) just tell me what to do. Um, but then when you figure out that you can really do anything, it's kind of cool because you're like, okay, well I can do it my way. I don't have to do it the way anybody else does it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's really solid advice. I mean, you, you, you often see on, on these kind of Facebook groups, um, where, people ask for advice and then other people just give them advice without even asking about the specific situation or they ask like, does freemium work? And then people say, no, it doesn't. (laughs) Without any background on what is it that you do? Is the business fit for freemium? I don't know. No, I think that's, yeah, that's such a great example because yeah, you read things like that. Like does freemium work? Yes or no. And it's obviously a ridiculous question. You know, there have been companies that freemium has been a huge part of their success. There have been companies that have shut down because of it. And then there's more often like everything in between. There's like, it sort of worked for us. We got a few customers from it. It's not our main thing, which is so common. And no one, no one wants to hear that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we all want like the yes or the no, but yeah, anything can work. Anything can cannot work. And like I mentioned, I'm from the marketing world. So marketers are horrible about this because marketers always want to promise you that one magic formula, you know, like, yeah, do freemium, start a podcast, blog five times a week, do super long blog posts, do super short blog posts. You always see all this stuff as though, oh, this is the magic bullet. Once you start doing this, everything will be different. And the reality is any of those tactics could work or not work for your business. Yeah. Yeah, that's maybe that's maybe partly what's to blame all these uh, all the content marketing out there that is never like it's just like generalized uh, prescriptions. Mm. Well, I I really like this idea from um, there's a group called EO Entrepreneurs Organization that's mm-hmm. kind of like a mastermind that they pair you with with other entrepreneurs. And in EO, they have a rule that you can't give advice; you can only share your personal experiences. And personal experiences means not like I read it in a book, but this actually happened to me. So if someone's like, I'm having, you know, this conflict with my co-founder, what do you think? The people who share, all they're allowed to share is, well, this is what happened with me and my co-founder. So you're not, because you, you know, you find this so often once you're farther along, you realize that a lot of the stuff, like you said, a lot of the blog posts and content marketing you read isn't even things that people have personal experience about. <laughs> like they just read it somewhere and now they're rewriting it mm-hmm. for you. Or it's written, yeah, in a way that's like, this is the answer for everyone. So I love this idea of just sharing your personal experience and then people can take from it what they want. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like the best way to go about it. Final question. Um, what's the best piece of business advice you ever got? Something you can share with other people on the, on the podcast? 
Um, one piece of advice that I always remember is uh, people don't fail, systems do. And that means whenever you have a human failure in your business, which happens a lot <laughs> to all of us, right? You, instead of jumping to like, which we often do, why did that person mess up? You know, do they not care? Are they not focused? Do they not have the skills? You first should always, always look at what was the system that failed behind this. So it's like, did we not have someone else checking that that should have been? Did we not use the correct tool that would have worked better for us? Right. There's always like, it's almost never the case of like, oh, well, they just they just did it wrong <laughs> to spite you, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like people usually think they're making the right move at the time. So looking into what were the systems either implicit or explicit that were in place to allow this mistake to happen. Oh, thank you again, Laura, for being on Founder Coffee. Uh, it was really great to have you. Yeah. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Founder Coffee. We hope you liked it. Let the world know if you did. Thanks for listening, guys.